Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. With this week's guests, I'm back in Kuwait. Haider Al Musawi is someone who was a catalyst to starting my blog and my book. He's an entrepreneur and a champion of entrepreneurs. He's someone who cares deeply that his community is doing well and he shares his personal tips and research about well-being. I am so excited to finally have a chance to sit down and chat with him. Welcome, Haider. Thank you for having me. Uh, and I'm really excited about your book, by the way. It's nice to see like the early days of the book and then developing into something that's going to be out there in the world. And really it was, well, we'll talk a little bit about it when, when um, when uh, uh, we're chatting, but it really was the, that process that really kickstarted me. And, and so uh, I, I hope that others will take advantage of that uh, now that they see that it really does work. So I didn't really say much about you other than that you're an entrepreneur and a champion for entrepreneurs. So tell our listeners uh, what, what you're up to and, and what you do. Okay, so to give a bit more context about the champion of entrepreneurs, uh, I'm the co-founder of Serdab Lab. And uh, Serdab Lab uh, is basically a startup hub that we started in 2014. Uh, I had two co-founders, uh, Munal Mkhazim and Abdullah Al-Sayed. Uh, and uh, basically we realized that there were many people who are interested in startups or interested in entrepreneurship, but they had nowhere to go. And I think this ties uh, very nicely with the concept of belonging, because while you may have an interest, you still want to be connected to a community who understands you and can relate uh, to your interests and enthusiasm. So when we started off, uh, our main focus was to understand what the uh, community wants and mm -hmm. to gather the community as much as possible. So the only target we had is how many events can we host a week? And we were shooting for three to four events a week. And that included movie nights and included brunch. It included uh, talks on a wide variety of uh, topics. Mm -hmm. uh, and the nice thing about it is when you build a community, you don't have to design everything because the community takes care of most of the value that the community brings. So I remember uh, I was doing a user experience design review for, uh, for a startup. Uh, and in the event, the founder told me that he found his uh, developer, uh, his developer and designer through an event that we hosted. And wow. the event was actually about uh, public speaking. So oh. I didn't anticipate, <laughs> yeah, I didn't anticipate that connection happening mm -hmm. within that event. And that's the nice thing about uh, community events in general, or having a space where people get to take uh, initiative and uh, ownership of the uh, outcomes that they're seeking without our direct involvement. Right. Um, so in addition to that, I've been interested in content creation for a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, uh, 
uh, I struggled for a, a long time to define who I am and what I'm interested in because I was interested in so many things. Oh, I know that problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm still interested in so many things. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the tagline for my blog is, is uh, not a pigeon. From the saying, pigeon holes are for pigeons. Like, I don't know how to define myself, but I know I'm not a pigeon. <laughs> and uh, uh, that was a struggle for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I came across some resources about being a multi-potentialite or being a generalist. There are different terms to it, but the idea is it's okay to be mm -hmm. interested in many things. You don't need to define yourself by a single domain. Uh, and that's how I've been living my life for the past maybe 10 years. Uh, like I do user experience design. Uh, I teach, like my day job is actually teaching at uh, a higher institute. Uh, I've conducted workshops. So the educational part is not limited to my day job. I mm -hmm. do trainings and uh, workshops beyond that. Right. Uh, I've uh, written four eBooks on um, productivity, um, life balance, habits, and writing. And uh, usually, like when I want to write a book, I write it because I need, I need personal clarity about the subject that I want to write about because there's something I want to pursue within that um, topic and mm -hmm. there's something I'm struggling with. So, so I, you're I, the audience for your book. I love it. Exactly, yes. Uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to launch an online course very soon, uh, end of this month, hopefully, uh, and uh, to publish a few more books. Uh, ideally for me, I want to, to have the space to pursue my curiosities. And that's the direction I want to head in. That's so awesome. And yes, and it was the, the writing book. Actually, I, I have all of your uh, eBooks, but it was the writing book that really got me going on my blogging and, and gave me the discipline to be able to do that. But like I said, we'll get into that in a little bit. So the first question I always ask my guests, hi there, is what if I say the word belonging or sense of belonging to you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And you mentioned it a little bit related to Sardab Lab, but does anything else come to mind? Uh, actually, there's a, a very specific incident that comes to mind. Um, oh, wow. I lived in London for 11 years. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I became, like towards the end of those years, I became somewhat of a religious extremist. Um, and like, I was very dogmatic about certain things. Uh, but what I did appreciate was that I was exposed to uh, different people with different backgrounds and different beliefs. So whenever I formed an opinion, I felt it was uh, based on information I actually gathered about these different belief systems. When I came back to Kuwait, and uh, one thing I really cared about, even though I became a sort of extremist and uh, a bit dogm dogmatic. I can uh, like, I'll get into that at like a later stage. This is not the focus of the uh, episode. Uh, uh, but I like, um, so uh, I had the intention of seeking the truth and pursuing it wherever I may find it. Like I had that intention. So whenever I looked into other belief systems, it was with the intention to uh, accept any belief if I found it to be true. Okay. When I came back to Kuwait, uh, I felt like the people I was interacting with, so family and friends, mm -hmm. they had beliefs that they were born with and never questioned. 
and mm. to me the impression that like i was getting from them is that they had a high certainty uh, with little knowledge and so like when they uh, criticize other belief systems i knew that they didn't know much about the belief systems to okay. have to establish an informed opinion right and so at the time i felt like um, the expression i would say is lonely in the crowd like i was surrounded mm. by family i was surrounded by friends but i didn't feel like i could connect deeply with anyone mm-hmm. and this like it was an existential crisis like because i felt it no is can can possibly uh, relate to what i'm going through mm-hmm. uh, only to discover that there are so many people who do have do experience existential crisis the same thing wow exactly uh, and uh, but uh, that's the thing like sometimes we assume uh, or uh, i really like the idea of comparing our inside to someone else's outside so mm-hmm. uh, when we talk to, when we see people let's say uh, in a let's say a business networking event okay uh, sometimes you see people speaking confidently and you don't realize that they're actually going through struggles doubts right. uh, they have so many negative uh, emotions that they're wrestling with mm-hmm. but because we only see their outside we assume we're the only people experiencing uh, these emotions yeah right the same is true with like existential crises like nobody uh, or the vast majority of people experiencing them mm-hmm. don't go around um, like saying oh i'm i'm going through an existential crisis so um, uh, having a better understanding of uh, my values and uh, other people's experiences made me realize uh, uh, the conclusion that i actually reached is that i don't have to uh, i don't need people to relate 100% to what i'm going through but okay. i can acknowledge a percentage of uh, overlap or common grounds with other people and that's how i felt like i can relate to many people i can belong in different situations mm-hmm. by recognizing these uh, overlaps or these common grounds right and so i'm i'm curious how did you how did you sort of go about finding out that there were others who were going through this existential crisis or at least having that difficulty like you were being back and and having those beliefs and not finding anybody who who really followed what the process that you were following uh, i think it, it was like conversations with friends okay you realize that they were struggling with similar questions okay. um, and that like um, seeing people who are committed to finding the truth mm-hmm. um, and like that sort of quest and i i think i gathered it from uh, back then it was like 2005 maybe um, yeah. like on online forums or uh, and around 2008 like twitter became mm-hmm. a thing and i started seeing people yeah. raising these questions or exploring certain topics that uh, are of value to them and this kind of uh, made me realize to what extent it is common yeah that's that's such an interesting um way to look at at belonging because it really I, in the book in my book i talk about self belonging and then personal belonging and professional belonging and that whole idea of self belonging is really establishing your self concept so i think what you felt when you when you came back was this jolt to your self concept to your sense of self belonging because 
you thought you you had figured it out and then when you came back you couldn't find the similar community and it wasn't until you really found that similar community um, that reinforced it but it didn't seem like you began to doubt yourself or did you in terms of what your belief system was when you when you came back uh, I think I was experiencing doubt on a different front uh, because I was exposing myself uh, basically um, I was trying to figure out and this is like an ongoing process when mm -hmm. I feel like there's a belief that I don't understand or the, okay. uh, a belief I reject uh, I start to question why why am I rejecting it and mm. uh, what might make it true and what might make my own beliefs false so I, I like I get into this critical thinking uh, exercise to try to, and figure out if I'm being as objective as possible uh -huh. and like I was having this uh, other issue with um, like, uh, for example, capitalism and communism and like mm -hmm. uh, Islamic finance or like uh, I, I did have other issues that I was uh, struggling with, but it wasn't the sense of belonging was lacking because I didn't feel mm -hmm. like other people had uh, like uh, my curiosity and openness to change their beliefs. Okay. Yeah. So, so you hadn't found your 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 group your 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 community you hadn't found that community right away yeah oh that's so interesting um i'm i'm really interested in continuing to explore your journey uh because it involves um like you were saying going from that extremist point of view um to something that seems to be now more at least from from me from my viewpoint appears to be more practical and grounded is that the way you view it? And, and what did that process look like? Yeah, there's a lot to cover, so I don't know how much, like how deep I can go. Uh, but uh, uh, I think like a big part of it, um, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it's the um, commitment to finding the truth. Right. Uh, and uh, not uh, like I, I was also struggling to figure out what does critical thinking even mean? Uh, and mm. I, I actually remember, like, uh, at one point, uh, I thought I was the first person to think about the nature of knowledge. Like, how do we know what we know is true? You know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, my God, like, has anyone thought about this before? Like, <laughs> did I you know, break out of, like, the... Let's look at the great philosophers. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then, like, I discovered there's a whole branch of philosophy, mm -hmm. epistemology, and, like, mm -hmm. critical thinking is a thing, and so on. Mm. Uh, yeah, but uh, it's mostly those like uh, exploring these questions of how right. do you know what we know is true, uh, yeah. and then even like uh, uh, revisiting basic um, terms that we've uh, like we've grown acquainted to using. Mm -hmm. For example, morality. Mm -hmm. Morality is a lot more complicated than we make it out to be. Like we assume that there's an objective definition of morality. We all know it. And then mm -hmm. it's a matter of complying or not. Right. But there's actually, there's more to it. Like there's our understanding of morality, which may not be fully accurate. Mm -hmm. And then uh, how do we even judge what morality is? Is it based on uh, certain principles? Is it based on human well-being? Is mm -hmm. it based on alignment between a person's convictions uh, and actions? So that harmony between the two is important. Right. And like just exploring these topics like uh, on a deeper level. 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I am putting together a course um, for educators about self-belonging. And just a little while ago, I was looking up social constructs which okay. you know has been talked about a lot, and and you, that's exactly what you're talking about is morality is a social construct. So it's basically what you're looking at is let me look at the truth to these social constructs. Yeah. Are they real, real, you know, uh, or are they just defined by a larger group and become common? What do these actually mean? I mean, it's sort of an endless kind of thing, but it's it's really fascinating. And uh, I, I, I don't want to include you in this, but I know I'm a nerd and that's things that really um, sort of get me going. So <laughs> I assume that's the same for no, you. I, I definitely <laughs> like enjoy topics about critical thinking, epistemology, uh, to what extent is a society promoting uh, healthy values, to what extent it's promoting objective views. These are like all things that are, I'm deeply interested in. Uh, including uh, self-belonging, because I had another experience in mm -hmm. late 2019 uh, about the importance of like, um, uh, like late 2019, I was in a really uh, dark place. I felt like mm. uh, everything that I was uh, looking to achieve wasn't amounting to anything. And I turned to my family to show me love and appreciation in specific ways. Like I wanted um, uh, to give you like a very basic example, I wanted when uh, I'm around family for uh, my wife and my children not to use their phones. Like we're together. Mm -hmm. I, I stopped. I'm not using uh, my phone, even though I'm busy and I need to check certain right. messages. But I'm creating the space for you. And mm -hmm. if you're not doing the same, you don't love me in the same in the way that I'm showing. Love yeah, you weren't feeling valued. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And like I became very fragile and like very mm -hmm. uh, picky. Uh, like uh, I, I, I felt like I I was out to judge other people and find fault in their behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what what I realized is that uh, I was trying to fill a void that I was experiencing in myself of not loving and caring for myself, even though for the past like fifteen years I was interested in personal development. But it yes. was like it's an approach based on uh, uh, like conditional love and uh, ha having to meet a standard. And if I don't, it means that I'm mm. not worthy of love. But the change in perspective that I experienced was that I actually need to love myself in order to help myself out. And yes. it's not about being successful uh, to earn love. It's having unconditional love towards myself. So mm -hmm. I can support myself in any situation. Uh, and then yeah. like just committing to that and noticing how I speak to myself and completely ignoring like what other people do. That mm -hmm. I don't want to judge other people's behavior. I want to focus on myself and set a positive ex uh, example. Right. Uh, with like with that shift in thinking, I was able to find like a sense of self-belonging. Mm -hmm. And despite any challenging circumstances, I know I've got my back. Like, uh, I love it. Uh, no matter what criticism I receive from others, mm -hmm. any shortcomings I may have, I know I'm on my side. You know yourself. Yes. You're, you know yourself and you have that self-confidence, that self-efficacy, that, that self-worth. That's, that's really interesting. You know, I talk about the fact that uh, I was 
I was 35 before I began finding my sense of self-belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really a shame that we, we get into our adulthood and we still have these crises with self-doubt and the negative self-talk. And so I'm, I'm advocating now for starting very early with parents and with teachers that we need to instill this idea of getting that self-awareness. So what was it, can you think of something that triggered, triggered you that, that kind of started you thinking, I really need to love myself first instead of looking outside for that recognition and value? Uh, okay, yeah, so late 2019, I was like really acting out. Um, uh, at one point, like I, I threw the F-bomb in front of my kids, which is something Ooh. I really, like I've never done uh, up wow. to that point. Uh, and like, I felt like I, I wasn't recognizing myself because usually mm. I'm very considerate. Um, I, like I don't want to hurt other people. Right. Sometimes I don't express my emotions because I don't want to be like a burden on others. Yes. But then like uh, this caught me by surprise. Uh, and an incident before that, like mm-hmm. a friend of mine was telling me, uh, like I was telling him, like, I can't commit to any healthy habit. And he said, you know, what you need to do is like, you need to make an agreement with yourself. I'm like, uh, like, like I cut him off. I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't respect myself enough to be able to oh my. hold myself accountable. And when I said it, like, I felt wow. a bit disappointed, like, uh, like, that you would think that about time. yourself that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that kind of made me realize mm. just how unhealthy my relationship with myself was. Like, mm-hmm. I'm living with a guy I don't respect, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it escalated, and when when I was I started becoming aggressive, I knew I had to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So that's where like I made a commitment to focus on myself, not judge right. others. Like no matter what they do. I, I want to to be able to set an example instead of telling others or looking uh, for faults in other people. Right. I, right. I have enough of my own faults to worry about. I think 2001-ish, maybe, uh, 2000, 2001. Um, I think I, I don't recall that clearly. Um, but like, I feel like I, I was interested and I was gathering information I was mm-hmm. building up my potential, but I was struggling to translate this into results in my life. And uh, I sense like my suspicion is I was self-sabotaging at one point. Like mm-hmm. every time I, I commit to new habits, I would stick to them for like two weeks, three weeks. And then uh, if, um, if there's a shortcoming or there's a setback, uh, I rebuke myself for it. And then I end up giving up. And that's oh, it. Okay. Uh, you know this idea of like uh, when it comes to habits you need to be consistent you mean you need to maintain a perfect streak Um, so that was the kind of thinking I was trying to implement and I wasn't paying attention to the love and um, the attitude I was having towards myself Mm -hmm. yeah and and I know that you don't believe in streaks anymore at least you you've modified that idea right yeah yeah, so, yeah. So the idea is like you can use streaks for motivation, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't overlook the fact that uh, uh, the increase in frequency, like uh, aiming to meditate every day, but going for a target of 80% commitment, like it's okay to miss right. a few days, 
will ensure that you're, uh, you develop a more sustainable habit mm-hmm. than something that you would give up once you break your streak. Because, right. and, and this is something I experienced. I was uh, writing, for, writing on a daily basis mm-hmm. and then uh, using a website called golifelog.com. And I broke my streak on day 99. Like I was one day away from 100. Uh, but uh, like uh, uh, actually what happened, I, I completely forgot that I hadn't written. And it was like a Friday and a Saturday. Oh gosh. So on Saturday at night, I'm like, uh, we were having dinner and I'm like, oh my God, I think I broke my streak. Uh, and then I checked the website. I, I had missed the day before. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'm not uh, like, it was late at night. I'm not going to write today, but I, I went back to writing the next day. Uh, and now I think yeah. my streak is, uh, I've broken it a few times. Um, mm-hmm. What's interesting about breaking, especially a writing streak, is that even when you break your streak, you still have uh, a library of writing you've already accomplished. Like if I've written uh, 99 articles right. and I break my streak, those 99 articles aren't going to disappear. Mm-hmm. And this is what I call a stack. Like you're building something up. Even okay. when you break your streak, you still benefited from what you've created. And the same goes with any other habits. Like sure. if you exercise, if you meditate, yeah. you, you've actually experienced some benefit for that day. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something so simple too that we don't think about because we think about that whole idea is that I have to continue with this competition against myself thing. But if you think of it as a, a percentage or, you know, out of a month, uh, I'd like to do 25 out of 30 days or something like that, How, whatever's easy for you, then you're able to keep it up. Um, whereas you're almost self-sabotaging by saying, you, you know, you're going to do this streak and knowing that it, you're human and it's probably not going to be possible. So. Uh, exactly. Not yeah. only that, if you're starting a new habit mm-hmm. and this applies to anything that we learn, most likely we suck at it when we get started. So this yeah. idea of being maintaining 100% consistency from the get-go is unrealistic. Right. Like we need mm-hmm. to at least have a few weeks where at least, but I actually recommend an ongoing commitment of like 80 to 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, uh, again, that, that accounts for things happening that we might forget a habit we might right. get too busy and that doesn't take away from the thing that we're building. We're aiming yeah. for increased frequency and not perfection. Right. And do you find that sometimes stepping back, especially from writing, but even from other things, exercising and things like that for a short period gives you a different perspective going back, a fresh perspective going back. So sometimes it's really good just to take that break because you, you begin to feel like um, it's a burden rather than, than something that you really enjoy doing? Yes, exactly. And it feels like a commitment to the activity instead mm-hmm. of the activity being uh, of benefit to you. Um, right, and that's yeah. That's something like we need to revise with all our habits. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it for the sake of the habit. I'm doing the habit because it, it's benefiting me in some way. Right, right, yeah. Um, as I mentioned kind of briefly at the beginning when I introduced you, you had a profound effect on my life at a time when I was making the transition from working mom to retired empty nester. And because of your approach and the fact that uh, 
there was a bit of accountability, just more than accountability. It was just having this very small group of people that we could get, you know, get together on online very briefly and say, so how's your day going? And what do you know? What are you going to be working on today? And so I was able to start blogging, which led to writing my book. Um, and so I'd love for you to share, you know, since you've said you've, you've talked about, um, about uh, well-being and that you've been working on that for a long time, but could you just talk a little bit about how that spreads to others, um, that idea of what you're doing and the books that you've written, the course that you're putting together, and just, just talk a little bit about what kind of results you've seen, because I know you've affected not just me, but other people in terms of, of giving them advice based on your own practical experiences, plus the research that you've done. Uh, I personally try to focus on uh, encouraging self-acceptance uh, mm -hmm. as a starting point. Uh, and uh, sometimes people jump to the conclusion that uh, they're being judged by me. Uh, so for example, uh, as a, the co-founder of Sirdab Lab, mm -hmm. uh, we try to encourage and support entrepreneurs. But this doesn't mean that if you're not being an entrepreneur, that there's somehow a deficiency in what you're pursuing. Like pursue what brings you joy, even mm -hmm. if that includes being at, uh, at a job. Like mm -hmm. I think you can't thrive with a job, a government job, corporate job, like whatever mm -hmm. environment you feel comfortable with. Right. And uh, several, of, of, uh, several of my friends, like when I talk to them and they, like their um, new life update is that they got a job, they feel like they need to justify it or they feel um, ashamed of, of uh, mentioning it. But I tell them, no, like if it's uh, a promotion or a new job that you mm -hmm. enjoy, like this is something worth uh, celebrating and- uh, like, Yeah, you uh, should do what uh, makes you happy. Uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes uh, like um, uh, going back to the idea of a social uh, construct, mm -hmm. sometimes uh, we cling to the social construct, even though lots of people in society don't care about this, you know? Like yep. we feel ashamed for not being entrepreneurs, even though the people and the entrepreneurs that we're surrounded with don't carry that judgment. Uh, mm -hmm. And so like most of the things that I do through my writing, through the mm -hmm. uh, virtual co-working uh, sessions that I help, uh, I want people to meet the, themselves where they are uh, and then to build from that. So right. people who are struggling with writing, for example, uh, I want to provide them the reassurance that it can be difficult. You just need to identify the things that are standing in your way and what can you do to overcome them. Uh, and I feel like that's mostly what I, what I do. Uh, I create the space where people feel acknowledged and accepted so that they can build on top of what they already have and to appreciate what they have. Like some people don't realize how much they know and, uh, how much it's that imposter do. syndrome yeah yes um i actually wrote uh, a thread on uh, overcoming imposter syndrome what's really nice about it uh for a while i've realized that um not everything i write or share mm -hmm. has an in, uh, immediate feedback loop so um in 2012 uh somebody somebody met me and he's like 
uh, are you the person behind um, like a certain blog? And I said, yes. And he said, it's a shame that you stopped writing. It was my favorite blog. And I hadn't written in that blog for four years. Oh, wow. But he had never left me a comment. And I didn't know that mm. I was actually writing for an audience. Like I thought I was writing for three mm -hmm. people. And it turned out that more people were reading it, but they're not engaging with the content. Right. And this incident, like a similar incident happened a number of times, which made me realize that I don't need to look at the feedback I get. I know that my writing is having an impact beyond uh, that, um, like the likes, comments, retweets, whatever. Right. And, and so the, uh, the uh, uh, Twitter thread on imposter syndrome, like uh, some people engaged with it. Uh, some, like a friend of mine uh, left me a voice note telling me that he had never knew that such a concept existed, oh, but wow. he had always experienced it. And mm. it was nice knowing what, like, how to refer that to it. That it wasn't weird, yes, yes, yes. And yeah. It's a thing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, a doctor sent me a message on Twitter saying that she shares that uh, thread with all interns that she works with. Like, if you're going oh, wow. through imposter syndrome, you need to read, read this, uh, this thread. So, uh, like, again, um, we don't know what impact we're having on other people because most people don't let us know. Like, mm -hmm. I'm fortunate that my friend contacted me and this uh, doctor contacted me, but I'm sure a lot of people have, ha like, mm -hmm. were influenced positively, but I just don't know about it. Right, yeah. So uh, what are the other books? So you have the one about writing. What, what are the other books that you have? The main topic I'm really interested in and, and like mm -hmm. uh, I want to be the go-to person for is okay. life balance and mm -hmm. how, we can, uh, how we can define success in a holistic way mm -hmm. and start experiencing uh, life balance today without waiting for the ideal circumstances to begin taking care of ourselves uh, and our well-being across multiple life areas. So yeah. the life areas I typically look at um, are uh, the, our spiritual life area, mm -hmm. intellectual, psychological, social, professional, recreational, and physical. So these nice. are the seven life areas. Um, and um, what's nice about the books that I've written, I feel like they either enable um, a, a more balanced life or they contribute to one of these life areas. So the books I've written so far are a book on life balance called Blend of Balance, which is what I'm turning into an online course. And nice. then the book on productivity is called Done with Grace. And it's meant to be a definition of productivity that combines like ambition and mm -hmm. the desire for achievement along with satisfaction. So you don't want to push yourself to achieve things without actually enjoying the journey along the way. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the book on habits is where I talk about um, the ability to achieve, uh, to develop multiple habits at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I talk about like the difference between frequency and consistency, mm -hmm. as well as the importance of uh, self-love. Like this is the book where I share my own journey about uh, how I was able to develop multiple habits in very quick succession. Like mm -hmm. I developed 
around 50 habits within two months uh, because of that. Like I, I aim for, I aim for 80%, but for most of the habits, I end up committing uh, 100%. Uh, and it doesn't feel stressful. Like I feel right. like I'm able to do it. I'm happy doing it. And yeah. uh, I'm okay with having a few setbacks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the last book is uh, uh, Away With Words, which is about writing. I love the fact that you describe uh, it as a journey because uh, really all of that, each of those, all of that, finding that life balance is a process. And it's something we go through throughout our lives that, you know, depending on what um, situation we're in, what stage of life we're in, it, it makes a difference to, to how we view it. And, and we, need to, um, we need to give ourselves grace, right? in order to be able to understand that sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. But yeah, I love the, um, the one about habits because it's true. If, if you look at it uh, as something that is really detailed and you have to follow it in a certain way, uh, it gets very onerous. Um, and I noticed that you've incorporated a lot of, of healthy habits in terms of um, exercise and walking and, and your, you know, uh, watching your, your, the food that you're eating and so forth over the last year or two that has been really important to you. And I love that you, you document some of that um, when, when you're going through that process, which uh, is very vulnerable, but that's because I guess you, you have that self-awareness and that self-love now. So you're able to put yourself out there. Yes, and I think um, it also encourages people to open up as well. Uh, I remember nice. like in a recent um, Zoom discussion, uh, like uh, I was um, up front about my religious beliefs. So I, I mentioned religious, uh, religion early on, knowing that sometimes people are apprehensive about it. Like, mm -hmm. uh, especially uh, sometimes we feel like we need, uh, we need to sort of talk about secular topics and not religious topics. And then somebody like after I, I spoke, somebody immediately said, thank you for, for mentioning this because I was reluctant to mention my own beliefs. Uh, uh, so partly it's like allowing people to open up about their own challenges, even if they don't want to do it publicly, uh, mm -hmm. at least they know that they can. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think a year ago, I wrote a Twitter thread about suicide or like a suicidal ideation mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I wanted people to feel okay with having those ideas and not to feel like, they're alone. Uh, and a, a couple of people did contact me privately saying that it was something they struggled with and like they were mm -hmm. grateful that I covered it. Yeah, I, I would love for you just, because uh, we're getting ready to finish up, but I would love for you to talk about the idea of Twitter threads because you're, I've seen others do it, but you do it really, really well. Um, and because a lot of times I'll see that there's a thread Somebody will say this is one of one, you know, one of three, one of five, or whatever. But the way you do it, it makes me want to to click and finish the thread. In fact, I was looking at one you recently did uh, it, uh, in the last, I guess, few days or whatever. But can you talk a little bit about that? Because uh, you know, a lot of educators are on um, are on Twitter, but they don't necessarily. They just use those two hundred and forty characters, and that's the message. 
So, you know, how do you, how do you think about putting that thread together? Is there a, a way that you do it? Is there a process or you just start writing and, and it comes, becomes a thread? Uh, I do think standalone uh, tweets are good. Uh, mm -hmm. but sometimes you need to delve a bit deeper, uh, right. like certain details. You don't just want to make a, a statement. You mm -hmm. want people to um, like connect with a few examples or right. uh, for you to um, consider different uh, dimensions of the topic. So right. I think the, the recent uh, thread you were referring to is um, the one about letting go of ego. And yes. ego is really hard to cover within a single tweet. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, there are multiple dimensions to it. Uh, and sometimes like um, I think of it not only as um, uh, informative, I'm not just sharing information. Mm -hmm. I want people to uh, connect with the topic on an emotional level. It's a I provocation almost. Yes. In a good way. Yes, a provocation to think. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, actually, um, when I was in London, I was involved in community organizing and the community organizers would call themselves agitators. Like I want mm. the people I speak to, to feel the, like the, the significance mm. or the importance of the issue that we're facing so yeah. they can take action. And it's not meant to make people feel bad. It's right. to make people uh, feel like they need to do something. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, The call I, to action, yes. Exactly, mm -hmm. and we only um, we only take action when we experience something, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. like a renewed sense of optimism, right. uh, a desire to achieve something, uh, right. fear of not achieving something else, or mm -hmm. fear of regret, and so on. Uh, but like you need people to connect with what you write. Right. Yeah, they need to personally relate to it. Yeah, and, and mm -hmm. uh, I I think it's important. Uh, for me, it's important to communicate in a, com mm -hmm. a conversational way, which right. is why I don't have too much uh, structure. Even like when I mention an outline, I say I'm going to be talking about these things. Like mm -hmm. it feels like a conversation. It's not yes. a table of contents and then listing the points. Right. Yeah. No, I, I loved it. And I did respond. So if you get a chat, I'm sure, you, sure you'll see my responses. I'm curious to, to get your feedback too. Uh, Haider, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you. I've gotten to know more things about you that I didn't know before. Um, is there anything else you wanted to um, let our listeners know or talk about before we finish up? Uh, yeah, so an idea that I'm really passionate about is that um, many people overlook their own observations, their own experiences, mm -hmm. their own insights because they're seeking answers from other people. Like, although I've shared my own experiences, uh, I'm, uh, I'm certain that um, people listening to this podcast have a lot of their own experiences and insights to share. So my highest encouragement is not to discredit what you have or seek answers from other people. Uh, try to identify what are the answers, um, what, what, what are the answers and what advice you would give to other people and then mm -hmm. just like uh, see how much of that applies to you personally and how much you you can share uh, that advice with others yeah that's perfect i love that it's it's ask the question and how would you advise yourself 
rather than saying, I, I need to look for somebody else who's an expert because I'm not the expert, right? Is to search for what is my expertise and that will overcome that whole idea of I'm an imposter, I don't really know, even though I've worked at this for however long and people respect me for it. So yeah, that, that's wonderful. How can people get in touch or how can people find you? Uh, where are the best places to, to look for you? Uh, I think Twitter and uh, Instagram uh, would mm -hmm. be the easiest options. So okay. it's just my name, Haider Al Musawi. And uh, okay. I guess they, they can look it up in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. All of that will be in the show notes, plus the links to your books and um, anything else that you've mentioned that that um, I want, you know, that we want people to be able to find really easily. So again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I look forward to sharing it with everybody. Uh, was It was really fascinating. Thank you, Hagner. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.